Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Man, did we have an interesting night last night. But it all went to crap when Vivek Ramaswamy got out of the race. Friend of the show. We like having a friend of the show as president or presidential campaign or on the presidential campaign. We'll talk about that. Aaron Perini, our number one, our favorite Buffalo Bills fan is going to join us. Uh, I don't know about you, but Baker Mayfield isn't in the NFL just because he's white. That's what the idiots at Deadspin said. He looked pretty good. And I'm going to tell you something else. The white guy, Mayfield, the black guy, Bowles, they seem to work pretty good together. And with I, I, Sirianni, I gotta go. We'll be right back. Let's go. Don't at me. Starts now. Hey, let me explain something to you. Judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Boy, oh boy, is that having a little bit of a twist as we move through the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. And I got to tell you, it was Super Wild Card Weekend. It, it just was. I got to get into teams that quit, teams that came on, players getting a second chance, coaches getting a second chance, smart coaches, bad coaches, things I've never thought I, was, I would say when the Eagles are 10-1. and one. But first, ladies and gentlemen, let's go to the content of their character. We heard so many glowing tributes to Dr. Martin Luther King. Oh, he fought, he did this, he did that. The number one thing Dr. Martin Luther King said, if you really have paid attention, is he has a dream where folks are judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And all of these wonderful African-American media people, I mean, all these, hor or, I was going to say horrific, uh, all these eh, horrific African-American media people just can't stand it. They can't live that when it comes to NFL football players. Jamel Hill. She says no to Dan Campbell. She says no, no to Dan Campbell. You're telling me, Jamal Hill is telling me, this is totally judging somebody by the color of their skin and their look. When Jamal Hill says, this is who black coaches are losing jobs to. This is who. This is who. Black coaches are losing opportunities to. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, you know that I give you NFL insight like really no other because I talk to actual working NFL people that know I would never rat them out that trust me. And I thought the same thing about Dan Campbell. I'm like, who's this meathead? Oh, no, 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 no. Because Dan Campbell, before they hired Frank Reich, interviewed for the job here in Indianapolis. And I thought, oh, man, meathead dude. But what do we do here? You know what we do here? We judge by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. So when he went and got the Detroit Lions job after the Colts, in another foolish Chris Ballard move, decided to take Frank Reich, 
Dan Campbell getting another job made me go to the beard. And when I go to the beard, there's some serious thinking. Like, I'm at the beard and my head is sweating. You can see it. Well, because there's thinking. The flames inside have turned on. It's like when you flip that switch with the lighter. When I do this, well, guess what? It made me think, like, this guy must be a football guy. So I called two guys that I respect in NFL front offices. I said, what's up with this guy, Dan Campbell? Unbelievable guy. Yeah, what does that mean? Unbelievable guy. Like, one of those smarter than you think because of how he looks, guys. One of those prepared guys. You think that he's a muscle, I'm going to bite your kneecap kind of guy. No, 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 no. Like, you don't have to look like Mike McDaniel to be seen as a nerdy football deep in the woods guy. McDaniel has to be that guy. This guy, Dan Campbell, has to be the anti what Dan Campbell looks like guy. Follow me here for a second. Dan Campbell looks like your high school line coach if he would shave his head and get a flat top. You know, down at Ed's Barbershop, they would give you a flat top. And, you know, Arena, Mike Arena's Barbershop was where the good folks went in northwest Indiana, about 48th and Broadway in Gary. But the fact of the matter is, Dan Campbell looks like that, but isn't that. He's analytical. He's fearless, totally, completely fearless. He understands a player's mentality, and he does the work in every area. And next thing you know, by having all of this and putting toughness at the forefront, guess what? Lions are doing things they haven't done since the 60s. 60s long-ass time ago. No, it's a long time ago. And what makes it even better is you have an appreciative fan base. So... Jamel Hill says, this is the man that black coaches are losing opportunities to. The answer is, yeah. Yeah. So, of course, our Bobby Barack and others reached out to Jamel Hill. And, of course, Jamel Hill gave them nothing. Squad douche, zip, zilch, nothing. Nothing. Now, that's smart. Because what's she going to say? Well, you know, guys, uh, you know I'm a flaming racist. You know that the only way I have relevance, if I do have relevance, is because, well, you know, I I got to fan the flames of racism. Well, she tried. And then people give her the opportunity. See, if you were a white dude and you said that about Dan Campbell, and Dan Campbell was black, these are the kind of goofs that white coaches are losing out opportunities to. The world would implode. Whitey would get with his LGTBQ friend. They would be drafting a letter. He would get with their African-American buddy at the bar. What do I do? It would be chaos. But no, this thing here, nah, she just goes about her life. Because let me explain this to you. She don't have to apologize. She don't have to answer. Throw it out there. Become Al Sharpton become somebody that doesn't pay your taxes, become a complete fraud, but the money rolls in because Whitey's scared to death. This Whitey ain't scared to death. It's a BS comment by a BS person who has no value in sport other than, other than to check a box on an application. Now, I'll give her that. Black, female, I guess she's married. If she'd thrown a lesbian in there, at least assault, she'd have been unbelievable. 
But the fact of the matter is that's the only thing she has in sports is to check boxes. That's it. Period. Hey, who'd you hire? Well, we hired uh, this African-American woman. Oh, perfect. I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I have an agent. I gave Maury. Yeah, my agent's actually named Maury. He's in New York. He's a great dude. Like, hey, Maury, who you get the most calls for? Hey, he goes, Dan, if you have a niece, nephew, mostly a niece, that's a lesbian, Asian, or black woman, I'll get her hired tomorrow. This is a fact. This is what the world is. So we understand it, but we're not allowed to say it, but I ain't afraid to say it. That's the only thing, Jamel Hill, only thing she does. Let's say she gets hired by OutKick tomorrow. She checks a box. African-American woman, boom. Now, can we make her a lesbian too? I mean, does she ever want to be a transgender? I mean, if we could do that, because she holds no value in sports, none, zip, zero. And you know she's gutless. Look, if you can't make a stupid comment like that, see what has happened in Detroit, where she and most of the others are trying to be down from now, yo. If you can't make that, see what you did and say, look, I screwed that up. I apologize. But see, here is where people like Jamel Hill are smarter than you and me. They know you never apologize. Ever. Never, ever, 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 ever. No. There's, why? Because it's weakness. It's not you being a good dude. There's no being a good dude when you apologize. It's weakness. It opens a crevasse for people to jump in. Don't apologize. Hell no. I, I, no. No, 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 no. You know who's not apologizing anymore? The Michigan AD. See, you ever want to know where winning cures everything? Look at the Michigan case. What was it? About two months ago, Ward Manuel, who's the athletic director at Michigan, who I like, he told a lady, one of the vice presidents of health and humans, to stick it when she tried to bitch about something I said on the air. He's like, yeah, you're an idiot. You don't even know that his son played at Michigan. He understands these things. Go away. So I always like Ward Manuel for having some stones. But Ward Manuel, the president, oh no, at all, walked and got ambushed at a meeting at the Big Ten offices and walked out of there with their tail between their legs when they thought they were going to walk out of there, kicking the Big Ten's ass, alleviating the second suspension of Jim Harbaugh. They thought they were going to walk in there, show this new evidence, and boom, Harbaugh was not going to be suspended. This thing was going to be over, and away we go. 20 minutes later, they walked out, they got new evidence, and everybody got quiet. Manuel, the president, pissed off. I mean, I heard from numerous people. I'm talking about P-I-S-T-D-T-T-T off. Pissed off. Okay. Now, fast forward. The one thing was you got to win a natty. Guess who just won a natty? Michigan. So here's Ward Manuel uh, at an event yesterday. They had a parade. They were playing Ohio Stadium basketball. It was kind of a cool deal. During an event at the Chrysler Center, which followed a parade for the Wolverines' first national, cha- national championship, I don't know why I throw words in there, Manuel told the, uh, those in attendance, which including Harbaugh near him on the stage, that I'm working on getting this man a new contract. I can promise you that. Look, if you ever question, even a little bit, 
even a skosh. How, uh, give me an example, Dan, of how winning cures all in sports. That's it. That's it right there. And they won at a level that, let's be honest, Bo Schembechler never won a national championship. They had not won a national championship since 1989. Now, in my world, that's a long time. That's in basketball, excuse me. I don't know, it was 90-something, I guess, with Lloyd Carr. Basketball, they won a national championship in 1989. And no, that wasn't with the Fab Five, who was at the game last night. Fab Five never won Jack, although I give them credit. I give them great credit for getting to the final four two years in a row. That's pretty good. I mean, whether you like him or not, I don't care, but that's, that's pretty good. But anyway, so he is working on a contract to get Harbaugh or to make Harbaugh State. Now, it just came out earlier today that one of the things that Harbaugh wants in his new deal is he wants immunity. What does that mean? Well, what it means is no matter what happens with the NCAA, you're going to hire, you're going to keep. That simple. You hire me, I sign this deal, you're going to keep me. And if I'm Harbaugh, it's a pretty good move. If I'm Harbaugh, it's a damn good move. If I'm Harbaugh, that's a move I want, everybody wants that. If you hire me and I do something that pisses you off, I keep the job. That's called leverage. And Harbaugh's got leverage right now. And we'll see. Now, yesterday he interviewed with the Chargers. I, our friend Sean Merriman said, please tell me that Harbaugh interviewed via Zoom because if he interviewed in the building, I would have come over and locked the doors and not let him leave until he signed a deal to coach the Chargers. Hey, I don't know where he's going to end up, but I do know this. Harbaugh's about my age. I think he's a year younger, so he's probably 60. I think he just had a 60th birthday. With all due respect, Chicago's a wonderful, wonderful town, but they didn't fire their coach. Let's get rid of them. You know, it was rumored way back in the day that Harbaugh, oh, man, you know what? He loved Michigan. His bailout would always be where? Guess what? Detroit Lions. Uh Uh-uh. That ain't happening. Of course that ain't happening. Let me ask you this, and I know our friend Aaron Spielberg loves the Redskins. If you were Jim Harbaugh and you understand the value of a quarterback, Are you going to the Redskins? I mean, is that where you're putting basically your entire NFL existence, I guess? I mean, I know he was successful early, but are you going to put that on Sam Howell and what they've got going there with a new ownership group? Do you think that's the right move? How about Atlanta? You think Desmond Ritter's your guy? Other than Desmond Ritter, what do you got? Heineke? I don't know. I'm just saying that if I'm Harbaugh and I got two options, basically the NFL and sign a massive deal at Michigan, because Michigan's going to put that deal and hold on to that deal like grim death out there. They're not going anywhere with that deal, period. If I'm going to the NFL, I'm going somewhere, somewhere where there's a quarterback, and that quarterback is Justin Herbert. And that quality of life is pretty good where he's going to be. Now, even Aaron Spielberg, executive producer extraordinaire, king of the castle, mother of dragons. You know what he said about going to Washington? Oh, hell no. Hell no. 
So I'm saying to you, if I'm going to the NFL, who's the best quarterback? Who do I want to work with in the front office? And let's ride. That simple. Because you ain't winning without a quarterback. The pretenders all got their asses kicked. The pretenders are out the doubt. And I'm out the doubt. Let me give you a pretender. It's not his fault. He did a great job. But eventually, Joe Flacco. Let me give you not a pretender, a contender after watching last night. Baker Mayfield. Quarterback play matters. Let me give you another one. All you got to do is go to Twitter. In fact, I put it on my Twitter this morning. We can't show it on here because it's NFL in-game film. Dallas Goddard. I believe the word was biatch without the atch. More of an itch. You know what I'm saying. Directed at Jalen Hurts. So here we are, fast forward from about two months ago when they were 10-1, and and you got a quarterback problem in Philadelphia, which is amazing to me. I would argue, hey, look, they got to a Super Bowl. That's damn good right now in Philadelphia. Pretender. What is Justin Herbert? In my world, pretender. Now, word on the street, and this is me, old head. See this? That's an old head. I got an old head right here. Uh, See this old head? I used to tell players, look, and I know it's different right now because I know hairstyles have gotten whacked out and, okay, fine, I don't really care. I wouldn't do this anymore. I used to say, cut your hair and get serious about your job. Then you say, wipe your ass and get serious about your job. Let's get serious about this. I think Herbert cut his hair. I'm just saying. So if I'm going somewhere and I'm hardball, I am running straight to L.A. Chargers. Period. That's me. All right, the greatest rivalry in sports. College sports. College sports. Tonight, over my, I always get confused, over my shoulder here. Indiana at home against the Boilermakers, number two ranked. See, I wanted Purdue to be number one ranked. I wanted Purdue to come in here, Assembly Hall, Simon Scott Assembly Hall. I wanted Purdue to come in as the numero uno team in the country. I did. I'm like, hey, come on in number one. What the hell? That didn't happen. Yeah, they lost two games so far. They got beat, I mean beat bad, by Nebraska. And they got beat in a tough, it's a tough game. I mean, I'm going to, you know, at Northwestern. But here's the problem you have for Purdue. You ready? Purdue's good. Now, all the little guys, Purdue's better than they've ever been. This is the best Purdue group. Okay, 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 okay. It always is. Well, last year they couldn't do this. This year they can do this. It was like, is like at Purdue, last year's team couldn't even dunk the ball. That's how unathletic and slow they are. This year, Purdue, is like Fi-Slamma-Jamma back in the 80s. It's like Dr. J. It's like Michael Jordan splitting the D. It's like, wow. Purdue's athletic ability hadn't won them nothing. What wins for Purdue? Tough guards. What wins for Purdue? Man masquerading as a mountain. Or mountain masquerading as a man. I said that backwards. Zach Eady, are you kidding me? That's what wins for Purdue. But all I'm reading about is all these athletes. Purdue's got these athletes. Well, 
Here's something for you Indiana fans. It's a great matchup for Indiana. Was last year, is this year. Now, there's a kid on Indiana named Ware. There's a kid on Indiana named Rabo or Rebo or Rabu or whatever the hell his name is. Kind of looks like a chick. He's got his hair, little hair thing going. You know what I'm saying. That's all right. I don't care what you look like. Go play. Because we judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. All right. So Indiana's got big guys. Indiana's got a big kid named Peyton Sparks who went to Ball State. Foolishly thought uh, maybe he bought into it. Maybe, you know, I don't know if anybody lied to anybody. I don't care. But he foolishly thought that the grass was going to be greener. He was going to play, show himself to the NBA, and played a whole lot, but he's a big, strong kid. Indiana can throw some bodies at you. Indiana has to throw bodies because, well, Zach Eady is the preeminent body. So you're sitting to me and you're going, hey, Dan, I think you're nuts. I don't think Indiana has a chance. Here's why they do. First off, they do have bodies. They got bodies they can throw at Edie. Second off, they're very athletic on the wing. And, and they're athletic enough at guard. Now, the guards have not been great. The guards have been just okay. And this is where I'll give you guys that somehow, some way, love Robert Johnson III or whatever the hell. Okay, I'll give you. This is where he needs to play. He's a six-year senior. I mean, go back six years. Gabe Cups, who is starting ahead of him as a freshman, you go back six years, Gabe Cups in like seventh, eighth grade. I mean, you should be able to play in that game if you're Xavier Johnson. In fact, you should be the difference maker in that game. Look, I think Indiana wins. I think Indiana wins by four to six. I'm going to take the money line on this one, and I'm going to take ten points. Now, here's how Purdue wins. Purdue wins, and this is something that it's just – one of the reasons Purdue is successful on the road is because they don't fall into the trap late of trying to score four points in a possession. I was texting my son the other day, you know what, down four – Four minutes to go, a lot of time, don't need jacked up threes. You jack up a three, next thing you know it's six, next thing you know it's eight, and you got a problem, and everybody's looking at each other. Purdue don't do that. They don't do that on the road. They do not do that. You know what they do? They settle in, they throw it to Edie, and they go get buckets. Edie, first time in his little regime here, he went for 10 and he went for 15. 15 at Nebraska, 10 against Illinois. Nebraska, they got pounded. All was right with the world. They came back and belly want Penn State with 30, and they got to get Edie with 30. But, quite frankly, dude, who's the X factor? Because everybody needs an X factor. Now, none of these idiots know what an X factor is, but you know what? Who, who, who's the X factor? i tell you what the X factor is. The X factor is the dude that got arrested in the Taco Bell. Yeah, he is. He's the X Factor. He is. What's his name? McKenzie Mabango? Mabanco? Something like that. Hey, look, I'm not broadcasting a game. If I was, I'd, I'd know his name. But here's the deal. The dude's been on fire lately. The dude has been knocking in shots. The dude is about 6'6", perfect body. He can get on the wing and defend. And here's what also I like about the kid. The kid, when asked about him playing defense, said, well, or excuse me, asked about his improvement, said, well, <clears throat> frankly, my defense been a lot better. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. That's a pretty good answer. 
Like, no, that's a, that's a really good answer. That's like one of those answers where you're like, huh, you might actually be an adult. So the kid's gone for 13 and 19 in his last two. He, he's good enough. He's crazy enough. He don't care enough. He's got a five-star label on him for a reason. And if you're going to have a five-star label, frankly, it's not fair. It didn't used to be this way, but it is now. As a freshman, you got to go out and play, and you got to go out and play well in this game. But I am not going to be surprised if Indiana wins. And make sure you understand the key is Mackenzie Baco. <laughs> it is. That dude makes shots, everybody makes shots. And if he ain't the guy making shots, then it needs to be Trey Galloway. Trey Galloway's going to play fine. It looks like he's got the yips a little bit. People at Indiana are concerned about his free throw, that kind of thing. But Trey Galloway, to me, has to have one of those 20-point nights. There's no excuse, frankly. Indiana's an older team. Indiana's a bigger, stronger team other than Edie. Indiana is every bit as athletic. There's no excuse for Indiana losing this game. There's not. And I don't think they will. I don't. Now, I can give you a bunch of stuff about offensive sets, but here's the bottom line. When things go south, the ball's going to Edie. When things go south, this is what kills Indiana. The ball can't be dribbled by Xavier Johnson Jr. into bad stuff, where everybody stands around and looks at a bad player. It's okay to stand around and watch Edie go to work. He's the best player in the country. It ain't okay to stand around and watch Xavier Johnson go to work. He's a six-year point guard who next year, I don't know what he's going to be doing, but it ain't going to be playing in the NBA. I mean, it's just the way it is. So do yourself a favor, Indiana. Don't stand around watching freaking Xavier Johnson. Spread the ball, move the ball, get your shooter shot, shoot with confidence. Crash the offensive glass because there's going to be some long rebounds and figure it out. You're bigger, you're stronger, you're more athletic, use it. I got Indiana winning the game 74, 75, 72, something like that. And then it's party time in Bloomington. I love party time in Bloomington. I used to be big in party time in Bloomington. I did. I mean, and you would too. I mean, everybody's big at party time in Bloomington. When Indiana beats Purdue, at least it used to be, shirts came off. It was insanity. Remember my freshman year, I started. came out of the game to a standing ovation. Like, wow, I think I've told you this before. I still remember it. Go back to my dorm floor, Curry 2 Zoo, come party with the animals. All of a sudden, there are a lot of girls from over on the other side of the girls' dorm that are walking up and down the hallway. I looked at my roommate, Rick Rahway. Hmm, interesting. Purdue's a big game, eh? (laughs) But let's go to this. Here's the biggest problem you got, Indiana. This is where Indiana basketball drives me batshit crazy. Put up the tweet yesterday. The tweet came in around 9.30 last night. Mike Woodson, the head coach, speaking with Don Fisher, the legendary broadcaster. I love Indiana basketball. I love the fans. I really do. I just hope they love me back, Jen. I hope they love me back. You imagine you're a grown-ass man. 70 years old or whatever the hell Woodson is. You're the head coach at Indiana University, which is no longer, I understand I'm living in the past, but is no longer, but should be in consideration for the toughest program historically in men's basketball. I, I just hope they love me back. You know how they love you back, dummy? Go be Purdue. You know how they love you back, dummy? 
Don't quit in an NCAA tournament game two years in a row. You know, this goes from incredible arrogance of Woodson, who was so arrogant when he came in. Oh, the stories of his stupidity and his arrogance to now, I just hope they love me back. What? What? Sack the living hell up. Oh, man. All right, let's talk about some things. Let's recap last night's action, shall we? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Baker Mayfield is a stud. But I got a Nick, feel free, put in my ear. Now, I know a couple David Moores. David Moore was a kid that lived in the back of my neighborhood. I played basketball. David Moore held me to 23 in the state tournament, and we lost. He's good friends with Peyton Manning, really good dude. I know about three or four David Moores, but I didn't know who the hell David Moore was last night. Who the hell knows David Moore? At first, I thought it was David Bell. Now, we all in Indiana love David Bell. David Bell played at Warren Central High School. Now he's with the Cleveland Browns. Played football at Purdue. I think he won the Blitnikoff Award. Best hands, best wide receiver in the country. I think he had a pretty good playoff game the other day for the Browns. But I'm sitting there going to myself, whoa, 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 whoa. Who, who is David? What? What? Who is David Moore? Well, David Moore, after, what's that guy's name, Evans? Mike Evans, who was a really good basketball player in high school. Anyway, Mike Evans kept dropping balls. The tight end dropped too early, then he caught everything late. I'm looking around, and I'm looking right now. Who are they going to go to? Who, who, what, what? Who, who could possibly catch a football for the freaking Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, let me ask you a question. Simple question. David Moore went to East Central. What the hell's East Central? What the hell is East Central? I'm looking him up. He's a wide receiver. He's played for a few teams. He went to East Central. The East Central Tigers, also ECU, ES, or uh, excuse me, NCAA, Division II, Great American Conference. That's right. So when I say, who the hell is David? We all feel like we know David Moore. But we don't know David Moore. Because David Moore came out of East Central. He's played on four or five different teams. What a great performance by David Moore. What a great performance by Baker Mayfield. I don't give a damn if Baker Mayfield is white, black, green, or purple. I don't give a damn if Baker Mayfield's gotten his jobs because Jamel Hill and others, I don't think it was Jamel Hill, I think it was that idiot Karen Phillips, said, well, he's he's white, so he gets getting jobs. Hey, look, you can be white, black, green, or purple. You play with the toughness Baker Mayfield plays with, guess what? Teams are pretty much going to want to hire you. I mean, it's not that hard. All Mayfield did was go 22 at 36 for 300, 337 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Now, I know how this goes. Today, we've got Baker Mayfield. We've got Dan Marino. We've got Joe Montana. 
<laughs> Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Baker Mayfield in the world of the NFL is now the greatest ever. But damn, he was pretty good. He was pretty good. And if his whiteness got him the job, then whoever decided to judge him by the color of his skin, not the content of their character, did a pretty good job. Or if his whiteness didn't get him the job, and whoever decided to judge him by the content of his character, not the color of his skin, they did a good job too, however they evaluated him. On the other side, Hertz wasn't horrible. I mean, I felt like Hertz was getting killed all game. I felt like they were about one step behind, they being the Eagles all game. I felt like the Eagles, it's like this. I played on one of these teams. You, you show up to play, and you're all there, but there's a difference between showing up to play and showing up to compete. And in football, competing means you're kind of sort of maybe putting your life on the line. And I don't know what happened here between Sirianni and Hertz and the team. I, I don't know. But whatever happened has got to get out of here. If it's Sirianni, you got to get out of here. If it's Jason Kelsey and all his popularity, he's already announced his retirement. He's got to get out of here. But you cannot have – they had no chance of winning that football game. Zero, zip, nada. None. No shot. I think I put a tweet out about three minutes in. Man, the Eagles have no interest. They don't give a rat's ass about playing this game. 240 yards passing total. I guess there's some sacks. I don't know what you're doing there. 42 yards rushing, and that wasn't even it. Philadelphia Eagles had zero, zero interest in tackling anybody. They, I always start watching, like, I know where the ball handler is, so I start watching guys. And so many guys pulled up so as not to be later in the video screen when a guy got past I'm not explaining this well, but so many guys, put it this way, didn't hustle, didn't give an all-out effort. It was ridiculous, and I don't know whether players after their last game watch a videotape. I don't know if they do. I don't know if they don't. I don't know. But at some point, some point, somebody in that organization, whether it's Sirianni, the GM, or both, assistant coaches, players, or both, or all, is going to have to take responsibility for that effort. Because that effort was putrid. And when I say putrid, I mean absolute putrid. I'll tell you the other side of it. Now, I know Buffalo Bills people think, well, you know, we had this all the way. No, you did. No. Because the Buffalo Bills were belly whomping. I mean, they were belly whomping. They were crushing the Steelers. And then right before half, we had a blocked uh, field goal. And that blocked field goal went from here down to the 30 down there. Next thing you know, touchdown. Next thing you know, defensive stop. Two of them in a row. One to end the half and one to start the half. And next thing you know, uh-oh. My brother had left. He had to go somewhere. He calls me up. He goes, hey, this is pretty easy for the Bills. I go, you didn't watch the last two minutes? He goes, no. I go, ooh. So then he came over. He was nice enough to bring me some dinner last night. He and his beautiful wife, Roberta. And I'm sitting here going, and we're watching. We're going, whoa, wait a second. This ain't great. No. But you got to give the Bills credit. You got to give the Bills immense credit. So now, 
Who's the best quarterback out there? Is it Josh Allen? Is it Patrick Mahomes until somebody beats him? Is it Baker Mayfield or is Baker Mayfield like Joe Flacco? Like we're going to love on Baker Mayfield and then eventually, whether it's this week, next, whatever, he's going to show us that water absolutely finds its level. I don't have the answer for that, but I'm fascinated. Last, last thing. Let me ask you a question. Any diva wide receivers left? Like, I'm looking at Buffalo. It did not look like Stephon Diggs is a pain in the ass. Now, Stephon Diggs is one bad play from pain in the ass dump. Mike Evans has never been a pain in the ass. You know what we saw yesterday? We saw George Pickens drop balls and then go into the wide receiver pain in the ass mode as, guess who? Pickens' team, the Steelers, exited. Tell you what, Nico Collins' breakout star, I don't see any pain in the ass wide receiver. I don't see, I was watching the interview with Patrick Mahomes and that Rice kid after their win over uh, Miami. I thought it was, I saw a great kid. Packers wide receivers are all the same. They're just really good. And the Lions wide receivers don't say nothing. Isn't it amazing? All the little divas are gone. Huh. What do I tell you? It's hard to win. The Brad Stevens, how did you guys get to two championship games? Everybody in Hinkle Fieldhouse and in the building, in around the building, pushing in the same direction. Everyone. Not some, everyone. If you don't have it, you got a problem. Maybe you can get away with that 10, 15 years ago, but everybody's pretty good right now. And I'm just telling you, just telling you, Diva wide receivers. You don't need them. You don't want them because you ain't going to win with them. And let's be honest, the only thing anybody is here to do in the NFL is win. That's it. In Indianapolis, we want our cap space. In Indianapolis, we want draft evaluations. We want a good draft evaluation. You know who doesn't care about their cap space from a football perspective? Sure, they do from a front office perspective, but from a fan perspective, winning teams. Winning teams don't give a rat's ass about cap space. See, in Indianapolis, people walk out of the game after the Colts have lost and not made the playoffs again and go, oh, man, this is awesome. We got cap space. I literally heard somebody say that on the way out after a loss a couple years ago, and I'm like, you guys are idiots. Oh, yeah, but Ballard's done a great job getting us cap space. And then who do you sign? Nobody. Say anybody. All right, we come back. I love talking to Aaron Perini. It's been a while. It's been a minute, maybe since last year's Bills collapse. Is this the year for the Bills? And, hey, we had caucuses last night. Those of you that don't know, Aaron Perini is an operative. <laughs> a political operative. No, she's just, yeah, well, she is, kind of. She knows more about the political landscape than anybody you're going to know. Can't wait to talk to Aaron Perini when we come back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Our friend Aaron Perini is not only a world-renowned political communicator, but she is also, ladies and gentlemen, in my world, uh, number one or 1A, I have a very good friend here, Todd Blinko, who is a crazy, insane Buffalo Bills fan. And he, like you, 
said, yeah, I would have been there yesterday. I'd have shoveled my seat off. I don't care. Let's go. What are we doing? Oh, absolutely. I, we, you and I were talking about this off air. I would absolutely have gone to that game. I would go to the game next weekend, but I've got a new puppy that I can't board yet. But other than that, I am all in on that Bills game. That was about as good of a Josh Allen performance as you can have. He was throwing darts left and right. I did get to go to the New Year's Eve game versus the Patriots, which was a cold game, but super fun. And I, I'm just going to save my money right now and hope that maybe this is the actual year we make it to a Super Bowl because the team is clicking at the right time. Man, I, I, all right, let's go to this because I know last year you were very, very disappointed in, in the Bills. Not that you lost love, but like a good fan, you were pissed off after, after the game. The NFL is the one. Man, do we overreact from week to week, right? I mean, we just overreact. It's crazy. Let's go to the game the other day. What did you see out of the Bills as a fan that gives you great hope? And what do you see that needs cleaned up a little bit? Uh, in the words of everything that Bills fans hate, we played really complimentary football. Sean McDermott loves to Ooh. say that, and it drives Bills fans absolutely nuts. Ooh. But in this instance, we really did. You saw Khalil Shakir step in at wide receiver with Gabe Davis out and break an absolutely excellent tackle to put us up by two scores over the Steelers toward the end of the game. That was really a game-changing moment there for a guy who hasn't seen a lot of reps this season. You see Dalton Kincaid as our rookie tight end get his first playoff touchdown as well, being out there, being aggressive, getting those starts. Josh Allen on a 52-yard run by himself. He was saying in the post-game press conference, Micah Hyde and everybody on the sidelines was screaming slide, and he said, I didn't slide, I scored. I mean, this team is just on offense right now, playing exceptionally well. We have a great offensive line, which I was hard-pressed to see last year. We all know I had a lot of issues with Ken Dorsey and his coaching style, but man, if Joe Brady isn't doing a great job right now for the Buffalo Bills, I hope, A, we can keep him and B, that he becomes our offensive coordinator next year. And on the defensive side of the ball, we have been riddled. We had a lot of injuries yesterday, a lot. Terrell Bernard going down at linebacker with that ankle injury scared the bejesus out of me because, as you know, Dan, my favorite Buffalo Bill is Matt Milano. And we lost him very early in the season to a broken leg and Terrell Bernard has stepped up so immensely in that linebacker position he's really leading that defense right now out there calling making men move he's doing a great job thank goodness x-rays were clean when we got those mid game for him but not having him will make a big difference I think on so right now it's injuries Sam Martin when they had the blocked field goal he went and he was running to try to get you know, our kicker trying to get down there to help stop the play. And he pulled up with a strained hamstring. Sam Martin, as our punter, has been burying the ball below the 10 yard line consistently game after game. He is an incredible kicker. And to lose him to a possible hamstring injury, I mean, that's another player we're going to have to look at that it, it worries me. But overall, uh, what I liked is what I saw. Sean McDermott being both the head coach and the defensive coordinator. I know people were pretty nervous about that, but I saw some great defense yesterday from the Buffalo Bills. Ed Oliver is playing lights out. You've got Greg Rousseau, who is playing exceptionally as well. A.J. Epinesa on defense. I mean, we are really 
as Sean McDermott says, playing complimentary football. I mean, AJ Klein, he came off the couch and played in a playoff game this weekend. He was getting ready to go to Palm Beach or wherever with his family and instead said, hey, I got a call. I'm going to go play for the Bills. And off he went and had a great game off the couch. I mean, the physicality of the NFL, you got to be ready at any time. And he was. I mean, I'm excited. I think DeMar's really tragic incident last year really took a lot out of the team. That's an emotional toll. And I think it really, it cost, you know, it, it hurt them down the, stri the, the stretch because they were so emotionally exhausted because they watched their teammate die and come back. I can only imagine what that felt like on the field. I know what it felt like as a Bills fan. And so to see all of this, to see this team come back, to see this team play well when we were trash midseason, I was like, all right, we got to be talking about McDermott. They fired Dorsey. Like, we got to start getting our head together. And we did. And Josh Allen right now is the most tuned in I have seen him. And I am really excited because he is saying right now, we're going to win. And that's what it takes. You need a leader like that on the field, and that's where Josh is right now. Let me let me go to something maybe a little different. You're, you're there. Uh, I, I saw the I, I saw the clips that the Bills, excuse me, social media put out about the weather on Sunday. They're really the right choice, right? There was no way you're playing that game on Sunday, right? You had to move that game. Absolutely. So a couple of points that one, even if the stadium was domed, that wouldn't have made the roads passable and that wouldn't have changed the state of emergency you saw across western New York and especially in that snow belt part of southern Buffalo, where really the difference between south Buffalo and north Buffalo on the snow can be pretty substantial and they're very close together. Kudos to, I'll say it, kudos to Governor Hochul and Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and the Pagulas for standing up and saying, we're not going to move the game to Atlanta. I actually live in Atlanta right now, and I would have been the happiest Bills fan in the world if all of a sudden the team was here in the playoffs for a home game. But they wanted to be in Orchard Park, and they absolutely should have been. So even with all of that, the only good news is the new stadium We'll have like 70% of the seats covered. So it'll be a lot easier for Bills fans to shovel out 30% of the stadium versus, you know, nearly 100%. So it was absolutely the right call. And kudos to the leadership of the Buffalo Bills and their front office for keeping that game in Orchard Park. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, I, I thought so. I mean, look, I know people want to complain it's football, but stop. I mean, I don't want to be the person that says, no, we got to play, and then somebody gets hurt, injured, killed. I don't need that. Nobody, nobody needs that. Uh, I got asked this. I, I, I did a little Bill Walton with you. I, I wanted to save this for the air. Um, what the hell is a caucus? What's the difference between a caucus and a freaking, you know, primary? What, what, what's the difference here? So in a primary, depending on what your state laws are, you can either mail in ballot, early vote, you show up to a polling location, you walk into a booth or you fill out a Scantron sheet. You put it in and your vote is counted. Caucuses are much more grassroots level. You have precincts. You have to go to your precinct, which is usually a church, a gym, a library, an auditorium of some kind. And there are speeches given by each of the candidates that you can vote for. So everybody has to send somebody to stand up and give remarks on behalf of Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy. And they give those and then you fill out a little piece of paper. You put it, you know, you put it 
in like a paper bag or whatever they're collecting in and they count it in front of everybody right there and that's how they send the votes on to tally what the caucus is so it's much more of an open grassroots process for the democrats it was a little bit a little bit different when they were caucusing they're not anymore in iowa but it's just a more grassroots style of being able to get out there hopefully sway some voters if you're making a last minute pitch to voters before they get out there uh to to get the first in the nation primary going so Trump, it's like a half hour and this thing is over. I mean, I know it's the quickest ever. What, what does that mean? What, what, what does this all mean? It means that the former president really has a commanding lead when it comes to where the primary process is at this point, given the analytics, the data and the outstanding ballots. Now, most outlets like a CNN or an AP have a rule that says we don't announce results while people are still voting because that really can be considered a form of voter suppression. I don't know, you know, back in 2000, I don't know how many people are still remembering that uh, time, but when they were starting to call the race in 2000 for Bush v. Gore, the panhandle of Florida was still voting and they're trying to call things as it's still going on. And if people hear, hey, Donald Trump has already won or George Bush has won or Al Gore has won, it could sway them from not voting. But it was very clear, given the numbers and where everything was, that that commanding lead that had been available in public polling was truly there. And so they called it, and then it became the race for second and third. I understand the campaign's unhappiness about that early call, but the math was there to back it up. Ramaswamy was a friend of the show. He's been on our show, and I really like the guy. He drops out. I, look, I don't know. I mean, I know that you know, you worked for Trump, Trump's come at you. It seems like everybody that works for Trump, they you know, Trump comes at them and all this kind of, you know, it's like the guy I used to work for, Bob Knight, it never ends well in these relationships. Ramaswamy was interesting. Trump came after Ramaswamy and Ramaswamy just kind of laughed it off. But should he have dropped out? Do we need his voice in this campaign? I think you definitely need a voice like Vivek Ramaswamy across the Republican Party. He's a young entrepreneur. He's had success. He represents really a new part of the Republican electorate. Um, the thing was that that last minute you saw Trump go after him. And I think that's this is pure speculation on my part as a politico myself. But they must have been seeing an internal polling. Man, if we go after Vivek, he's getting some of our MAGA vote right now. If we go after him, then we will be able to maybe pull a few votes along to our side and be able to get the former president over 50%. I think that's a little bit of what we were seeing there was a little bit of political playing because he was probably pulling some of that MAGA vote and then they brought it back over to really help the former president get over 50%. I hope he stays involved in the party. I hope he stays involved in the process. He's already endorsed the former president, came out, did that immediately. And the president was really kind, I think, to all of the other candidates in the race in his speech. He was nice about Nikki and Ron, and he was nice about Vivek, which is, I think, him trying to bring in the 50% of Republicans who hadn't voted for him and really try to unify, which was a different tone for him. Yeah, I wish people would pay attention to how he handled uh, negative people, I, you know, protesters. I don't know. I. I, I, I just think, I, I, I like the guy. I don't, know, I don't know his background. People, you know how people get, everybody wants to criticize. Everybody's losing their mind on all that crap. But I kind of like the guy. So, all right, Trump's a big winner. Did anybody else win last night? I know Nikki Haley came in third, but said it's now a two-person race. I mean, I don't, what the hell are we doing? Well, what are we doing? That's, 
Nikki Haley spin at its finest right there to just try and, you know, flip the narrative and keep it going. There are a couple of things. One, Ron DeSantis, people were writing his obituary for this campaign before we even got to the Iowa caucus state because so much public polling had shown that Nikki really moved ahead. But Nikki made an unforced error by criticizing Iowa and saying when she was in New Hampshire, you know, Iowa votes first and then New Hampshire corrects it. The DeSantis team took advantage of that, put out a TV ad on it. And I think that really kind of stilted, like stopped Nikki's momentum and moved her back down to third place. It was a very close second, third between Governor DeSantis and Ambassador Haley. If you're Governor DeSantis, you're saying, look, everybody said I was dead. I outperformed their expectations. We are on to New Hampshire. We're on to South Carolina. Hopefully that brings in donors and dollars to help fuel his campaign to keep going forward. If you're Nikki, you can try and spin it and say, this is still a two-person race. It's her and Trump. But if I was her, I would be saying, hey, everybody said we couldn't be competitive Iowa, that this is not a state that favors my style of candidacy and my style of Republican politics. And she still got third place in, in a very close race, given the amount of money and time that you saw spent between both Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis in Iowa. So everybody's got a narrative and a storyline that they can use right now to say they've got momentum going into New Hampshire and South Carolina. Let me go back to Ramaswamy. Did, did, did it surprise you he dropped out today? No, that didn't surprise me. Polling at 7%, and kudos to him, because this is something that should be absolutely acknowledged by the greater American Republicans to say this guy came from literally no political background whatsoever and ended up getting 7 or 8% in the Iowa caucuses. I mean, there are people who have been governors and who have national prominence and national notoriety who couldn't pull 7% in Iowa. And Vivek did by not spending that much money. It's good to see that that's still available in Republican politics. And it's good to see that somebody from the outside, you know, who hasn't been a party player so far, can get in and be competitive. The bigger thing here, I think, is that Vivek, you know, when you're pulling at 7%, you can try and go on. But he's spending his own money. He's self-funding his campaign. If there's no path forward and you don't see the math to make it competitive and make an upset anywhere, the right move was to say, we're done for this cycle. We're going to suspend the campaign. It's not to say he can't give it another shot in a different race or a different year. Yeah, I just, I like this. I hope he stays around it. Hey, Aaron, good luck next week, man. It's the Chiefs, baby. It's, it's Mahomes. It's Allen. In Buffalo, yes. Let's. I mean, if we're going to so get it done, this is the year. I'm so excited. Let's go, Bills. Go, Buffalo. In Josh Allen, we trust. I am so excited. I'm excited to see Taylor Swift at Orchard Park get a little bit. I, I yeah. Like get a little bit sad when she sees Dalton Kincaid play a better tight end position than Travis Kelsey. Very excited. Well, love is love, you know, and I don't think she's going to, you know, you know, maybe, I don't know. I know this. Here's what I'm tired of. I, I, like, I like this Taylor Swift thing. I like that she was dancing, all that stuff. I mean, what, what, what the, why, why do guys, why do men think that, like, I, I don't know, football's got to be, I got to wear a helmet on my head and a jersey and tuck it in to be a football fan? Shut up. Hey, if that was the case, I wouldn't be a football fan, and I am a diehard yeah. football fan. The more people get yeah. to see especially women who aren't necessarily the demographic for the NFL, the better. This is a fun sport. It's a fun league. It's flawed. There's ways to make it better. But, man, when a great play happens and you see Josh Allen 
break a tackle and run for 52 yards as the quarterback for a touchdown. You gotta love that kind of stuff. It's it gives you something to be so excited about. And so I love that she's bringing new fans into the NFL. I just wish they were Buffalo Bills fans because I love my Buffalo Bills. Aaron, you're awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Oh, I love talking to Aaron. She's so excited about the Bills, and everybody should be excited about your team. This is what sucks about Indy. So I always say, people say, well, you don't like the Colts. I love the Colts. I want to sit there in my jacket and root for the Colts, but they never make the playoffs. I mean, look, first year I'm out of coach. I'm doing radio, and I really learned about this. So I have a young son, a young nephew, young daughter, and the Colts are playing – against uh, San Diego. Phillip Rivers was the quarterback. I think it was a wild card game. I don't know what it was back then. I can't remember. But I remember this, how excited my nephew came over, my niece came over, my sister, her husband. I mean, everybody. And we were just sitting there all excited because the Colts were in the playoffs. And now we got squat. Now we got nothing. Now we got everybody else. We're sitting there watching Baker Mayfield, who was great. We're sitting there watching Jalen Hurts, who wasn't great. We're sitting there watching, I don't know, we got to watch 49ers next week, who seem like they're always in it. They could change coaches. They could change regimes. They're always in it. The Indianapolis Colts are on this freaking 10-year plan that makes me want to punch people in the head. I mean, we, don't, we, we care less about winning than any other NFL college. No, not college. NFL NBA, Major League Baseball, or hockey professional franchise. We care less about it. We keep a general manager that is literally on a 10-year program, and he's currently under 500. We think a great year is we went 9-8 and eight with Gardner Minshew with the easiest schedule in the NFL. I don't know what to tell you, but seems like a lot of fun. All right, I know what to tell you. Um... Patrick Manley is going to join us. All he did was he was a long snapper for like 16 freaking years in the NFL. Yeah, and I saw he was following me last night on Twitter. I get, I get alerts once in a while. I don't know who gets on it and who doesn't get on it and all that other stuff. I have no idea. But I'm looking forward to talking to Patrick because i got to talk some football with men. 16-year Chicago Bear, hosted Golf 360 TV. Nice. Bears pre and post on the score. Yeah. Got his own beer, Long Snapper IPA. You kidding me? All right. Chicago. Be right back with the legendary Long Snapper, Patrick Manley. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, growing up in Gary, Indiana, I've told you all this. Uh, I'm a lot older than Patrick Manley, but a uh, huge Bears fan. Like, at number 60, Wally Chambers jersey. That's how freaking old I am. 
I mean, and then the Danimal came in with Dan Hampton and Steve McMichael and Walter Payton. Walter Payton, Patrick, to this day, I mean, for me, Walter Payton's the best football player I ever saw, but that's just me. 27,000-year-long snapper of the Chicago Bears, Patrick Manley, joins us. Hey, what's going on? Solve this for us. You host the pre, the post. You get to hang out with the greats like Mully. Give me the inside scoop. Let's end all the speculation. Opening day <laughs> next year, <laughs> Justin Fields, where is he? Man, that's the million-dollar question. And my answer to that is Ryan Poles, Ryan Poles, please make the right decision. Uh, they've put themselves in a great position. Unfortunately, it's because they've lost so much. But, you know, with Justin Fields there, what do you do? Do you keep him and trade down and, and build around him? Uh, do you take Caleb Williams, Drake May, or one of the other guys with the first pick and move on with Justin Fields? Dan, I don't know. I really don't know. I just I keep saying make the right decision because how many years have you said you've been a Bears fan forever? How many years now, like the last 20, 25 years, have they been making the wrong decision? And I'm hoping Kevin oh. Warren, the new president, comes in and, and is the one that can kind of lead this ship in maybe the right direction. But I don't have an answer, and I don't think Ryan Poles does either. He talked real quick. He talked in his postseason press conference that – He's losing sleep over it for the last few weeks. There's so many different avenues and different ways they can go that I don't know. But dang it, man, just make the right one. Yeah, and you know, that's you just gave me a player's perfect answer, a player or a coach's answer. Because I think, and let's get into this a little bit, you understand that, let's be honest here, if you're not in that building every day, you don't have the same information that everybody else has. So we can say you should do this, but that's irresponsible because you you don't have, look, I'll say this. If you think Caleb Williams, I saw this yesterday, Patrick, Caleb Williams is supposedly a top three prospect of all time. If you believe that, then you got to take Caleb Williams. But do you believe that? Right? Right. Right. I think you've got to get blown away. And the other thing, Dan, is that everybody loves Justin Fields. Remember the game and they're like, we want Justin, we want Justin. Well, the guys in the locker room feel the same way, which is great. And you want it, you want it to be that way. You want your team to love the quarterback. But if Caleb Williams com- comes in and Justin Fields moves on and Caleb Williams is the guy or Drake May is the guy, people are going to forget that Justin Fields, we want Justin game. Everybody's going to forget it. They just want to win, man. You want to get to the playoffs and have a chance to, to be playing this Saturday, this Sunday coming up and have a chance to play in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, you love the guy, and I had a lot of teammates I've played with. I've played for, what, way too long, 16 years. A lot of guys that I love that came and went, right? But then you moved on, and you're like, wait a minute, this guy is a little bit better. I, I like his skill set better. I'd rather play with him and win with him. I'll be buddies with the other guy down the road. That's exactly right. Like, I, I always say when a coach gets fired, they say, oh, man, that's horrible. He should have never got fired. Hey, by the way, who's the next coach? <laughs> right exactly right yeah it's right. yeah it's true you know we, we fired lovey smith at 10 and 6 and i was oh, that one i was a little upset didn't work out with mark Tressman, but i was i was like who's next you know who was on the other uh the other end of the desk of george mccaskey was bruce arians i was like i get to play for bruce arians no and we went with mark Tressman. it didn't work out but yes you're right you lose a guy like lovey smith that i've deared you know many many uh years with him and I was like, man, I get to play for Bruce Arians. Well, that didn't happen. But you're right. Players think the same thing. Just bring me the best best available coach, player, whatever. I want to I win. You know, it is, it is hard, though. Bruce Arians was the interim coach when Chuck Pagano went down here in Indy. And mm-hmm. Bruce, everybody in the building. I mean, I know the people in the building. They're all like, yeah, if all things were equal, 
Bruce would have stayed on as a coach, but, you know, Chuck had cancer. There was a whole campaign, yeah. Chuck Strong. You know what I mean? Like, they would have seemed like the worst human beings alive. Sure. You know, yeah. so there's a, you know, I guess you give that, but in Chicago, let me go, let me go to something else. Um, mm-hmm. Bears fans, Bears is are people good with how this went down with Eberflus staying and coordinators getting the ax? 50-50. So I work on the radio station in Chicago, 6-7 the score, and you've got all the hosts are 50-50, right? And I think the fans are the same way. Um, again, I'll just say if he can win. So the whole during the season, I had him fired. When they were uh, started out 0-4, won a couple games, and they started losing again, I said, all right, it's time to move on. Then at the end of the year, you got Montez Sweat. They started playing better. Then you hear the way the guys are talking about him in the locker room. And to me, that's very important being a former player, that they like going to work to, for that guy. They believe in that guy. So – I changed my tune a little bit. The Packers game at the end of the year stung a lot for other reasons. I don't know if we want to get into that, but I'm 50-50 on him. But if Ryan Poles is sold on him and the guys in the locker room are sold on him and he can hire the right offensive coordinator and they make the right decision on the quarterback, then obviously he's the right guy. But right now I feel like the guys in the locker room really want to play for him, really like to go to work for him. So I'm okay with it. You know, Earlier in the year, like I said, I was not, but right now I'm okay. But we'll see what happens with all this these options the Bears have this offseason. You were in NFL locker rooms for 16 years. Um, walk us through this because this fascinates me. Joe Flacco comes off the couch and he's playing. There's been like two or three other guys that came off the couch and are playing. Baker Mayfield's on his fifth team. It, it, what, can, you, can you tell me why things like this happen? Oh, why they succeed. I think it's just the right fit at the right time. I think sometimes Joe Flacco is maybe a different uh, equation. I think Baker Mayfield's grown up a little bit. I really do. I think uh, I've got some friends in the Tampa locker room and the front office and all that kind of stuff there. They love that guy. They say he's a great teammate. I think he's really grown into a pro, learned how to be a pro. And also think for Joe Flacco, you know, he beat the Bears pretty bad in the towards the end of the year, came back and put up uh, 21 or whatever points it was in the fourth quarter on us. I think he just fit the system the right way. And the other thing is, I think he just said F it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. I'm old. I'm 38. I'm going to go out there and just let it sling. And I think that hurt him yesterday in the, in the playoff games, but or uh, Saturday in the playoffs game. But I think that's part of the deal is being an older player. You're just saying, hey, man, I'm here to play. I don't care. I'm not worried about it. But Baker, I think, has really grown up, uh, becoming a tremendous teammate, and has really become a pro. And I think you know what that means as far as studying, working, putting all his effort into uh, to leading that Buccaneers team. How good is uh, Jordan Love? Oh, man, that's what I was <laughs> – it ticks me off, Dan. It ticks me off. I was hoping he was terrible, right? Everybody in Chicago is like, it's not fair to have three in a row from Favre to Rodgers to this guy. And then I'm breaking down tape, watching it before the Bears-Packers game in week, seven, or week 18, I guess. And that last seven weeks, his numbers were unbelievable. I go back and watch the tape. I'm like, yep, he's for real. And then he goes out and puts it on us uh, <laughs> last Sunday. And then this week, what does he go? One for, here, I got a 16 to 21, three TDs, perfect pass rating, 272. And he does it in the playoffs with young guys, two uh, rookie receiver or two rookie tight ends, an O-line that's okay, in my opinion. And that, to me, you know, you talk about a player being a multiplier. He's that guy that's taking these young players. They've stepped up and grown throughout the season. And I hate seeing him play well. I mean, I'm happy for a young man to be successful, but being a Bears fan, a former Bear, I, I, it just—it's uh, not fair, man. Three quarterbacks in a row, just not fair. <laughs> Do you think that 
Well, I don't think anybody's currently doing it right now, sitting out a high draft choice for a few years. But uh, why are the the Packers are just able to do this? This is really smart, and it's Mm -hmm. worked, and nobody else seems to understand that this is smart and it works. I mean, you talk, um, was it Ryan Pace and a bunch of GMs always talk, I need to draft a quarterback every year, whether it's in the first round, which the Packers did, what he was number 26, 27, or whatever, he was late. But that was a smart move. He got raked over the coals for doing up there in Green Bay. There's a, what, why are you not giving Aaron Rodgers weapons, O lineman, receiver, whatever? Well, they are doing it the right way. And I do believe as a, as a GM, you need to draft somebody every year. You're looking at Brock Purdy now being the last pick, and there's some other picks that come in that don't get to the level that Brock Purdy's playing at right now. But you need people on your roster. And I, I, you know, the Packers are doing it the right way. And I wish the Bears had done this before because maybe they're not in this position right now of trying to find the next quarterback. Maybe they found one in the third round with uh, Jalen Hurts or somebody like that that's playing well. Uh, you know, well, not yesterday, but playing well for the Eagles in the past. But I, it's, it's a hard equation to solve, but I just wish – more teams did it that way. And as far as sitting for three years, I think that's hard to do with the rookie contract now with how much money they're making that you've got to get these guys in there playing earlier just to be able to put the those spin that money around them and try to see if they can be successful young. I know it. I, I, I know. But, damn, it, it just it just seems to work. You know, uh-huh. like and, and I don't. Maybe it's a perfect storm three times in a row. I'll, I'll give you an example. Ryan Grigson, general manager, when he was with the Colts, yeah. is a friend of mine. He's a Northwest Indiana guy, and we became friends when he was here. And he was drafting, thousand percent. He drafted Aaron, uh, excuse me, Andrew Luck with the first pick, mm-hmm. and he was drafting Russell Wilson in the third round. He was drafting huh. him. He said, "Look, I don't know, but I can't go wrong having this guy." You know what I mean? So. Right, I, I, I get it. Well, I, I do. I get it. Yeah, and, and well, Washington did it years ago with um, uh, what, uh, Kirk Cousins and uh, why am I drawing a blank? The first round pick from Baylor. Um, they did it a couple. You know, they uh, did it with Griffin Junior. Robert Griffin. There we go. Yeah. Griffin Junior. Didn't, didn't work out for Griffin, but it worked out for Kirk Cousins. He went on to have a nice career and did okay. And Washington did much better in, and uh, in Minnesota. But yeah, it, it's it just gives you a safety net, right? It gives you. That most important position, all of sports, gives you a safety net if you have a number two or developmental guy that can lead you for the future. Uh, I don't want to let you go yet. I got to talk about Mahomes against uh, Josh Allen. I feel like, is Josh Allen, I feel like he's different. You know, you guys grow up in different ways. You mentioned maybe maybe Baker Mayfield, Mayfield had to grow up, you know, personally. Other guys got to grow up on the on the field where the moment isn't too big for them. I feel like this is going to be two quarterbacks playing at their best. I, I don't. Maybe I'm wrong, but it feels that way to me. Yeah, I think that's what we're lucky as fans, right? We get to watch this. I can't yes. wait to sit down, crack, crack a cold beer, maybe have some popcorn or something, a piece of pizza, and, and watch this. But these two guys, that's what makes them great. They perform at the highest level at the biggest at biggest time, right? Everybody's talking about Josh Allen, all the interceptions he throws and all that kind of stuff. But then go look at him in fourth quarter games. He ends up winning games, just somehow gets it done. Uh, But that's the way that these two guys play. And we're lucky. I think we're lucky now in this era of NFL that we have some superstars there. And they perform at a high level when it's there. And I love watching those two guys play. Yeah, you know, well, let's let's get into the most important question. What's your go-to pizza in Chicago? Oh, I'm not a deep dish guy. I'm sorry. 
I grew up in Marietta, Georgia. Yeah. Uh, lived lived in lived in Chicago for a long time. I'll eat it, right? But that's not what I'm ordering. I like my New York style slice. Um, but as far as my go-to pizza, like Pizza Company in Chicago, I'm a Rulio's fan. It's the sauce, as they say. <laughs> Maybe it's a little plug for them, but it's a little different. <laughs> Southside pizza, and I love it. Man. Yeah. It's not my wife's favorite, so it's when it's my turn, I finally get to order some Aurelio's, so that, that's my go-to. I love Aurelio's. Aurelio's, my yeah. brother and I, we argue. We're from northwest Indiana, and we argue mm-hmm. about different pe- things, but we don't argue about real. I went to some place called the Chicago Pizza and Oven Grinder, and it's a weird place in, in Chicago. Happened? It's a great spot. But it's it's famous, I guess. But I'm like, this is crap. I don't need all this. Just give me, you know, I mean, no. I don't mean to, you know, just pissed on the Chicago no, I don't, pizza don't, and oven grinding, but hey. No. Hey, it's food. You can argue food all I mean, day, man. It's, it's not personal. That's not yeah. personal at all. <laughs> last, last thing before I let you go. 100 years in NFL locker room. C.J. Stroud has just been unbelievable. Yeah. He's making this look easy. Like, he's making this look stone cold. It ain't that easy, mm-hmm. is it? Yeah. No, because, look, Tepper missed on him with uh, the Panthers. Uh, a lot of people didn't yeah. have him number one. They were going Bryce Young, and he's proven that he is the number one by far. His stats this year, Dan, it's unbelievable what he's doing. Perfect passer rating again last week. I, I just can't believe it. That just tells you how hard it is to evaluate a quarterback. This guy comes in and dominates the league like he's done. With that roster, too, you look at the Texas roster, who do they have on there? They have C.J. Stroud. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's, that's what he's doing. So uh, it, it's fun to watch. And, again, me being a fan – I love good quarterback play. It just makes for a better league, and I'm happy to see you know him come in and perform the way he is. And we'll see what he does next week. You know, this is going to be another test for him, and he can just build his legend if he goes out there and beats what he's playing the Ravens. Yeah, playing the Ravens. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I have an unhealthy love for Lamar Jackson and the way he plays quarterback, yes, but I, I think sure. it's going to be. I think it's fascinating. Hey, Patrick, thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on. Let's do it again. Oh, you bet. No problem. Have a good one, man. That is the great Patrick Manley. He, 16 years, long snapper for the Bears. Love the Bears my whole life. I used to be able to tell you everybody on the Bears. Now they pissed me off because, well, there's never a quarterback there. Never. And I will say this, C.J. Stroud, let's be honest, C.J. Stroud makes this look easy. C.J. Stroud is one of those guys where you're like, all right, I guess you just show up and throw for 300, huh? That's what he does. He, he shows up. He throws for three bills. He, he makes it look very easy. Seems like he doesn't get hit. And he's a rookie that's like younger than, well, he's way younger than Michael Penix. I, I, there's no way in hell that you can tell me, no way, that Michigan beat that Ohio State team with Stroud and, and Garrett Wilson and Nolan or uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. and all these guys, and that sign stealing didn't factor in. There is no chance anybody can tell me different. Sign stealing is the only way they won, the ability to know when it's a pass or to know when it's a run to affect the pass rush. There's nobody can tell me that. And I don't care if people get mad at me. I don't care if people lose their mind on me. I don't care if, well, you suck, you're stupid. Yes, I suck and I'm stupid. Let's just go that route. Let's just say, yes, I am. I suck and I'm stupid. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this right now. 
Forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, but there's no way in hell, zero, zero, that they weren't stealing signs to beat that offense. None. All right, let's go to the most important poll. No, it's not the Iowa caucus. No, it's not what's going to happen in New Hampshire. No, it's not where Trump and DeSantis fall along with Nikki Haley. No. Nope. Most important poll that you can get is Double D's weekly top five college basketball teams. Number five. The Memphis Tigers almost, ladies and gentlemen, almost said Memphis Grizzlies. But I digress. America's worst city has a top five basketball team. America's most ridiculous coach, Penny Hardaway, has settled in, grown up, and become a basketball coach, at least with this year's team. Penny Hardaway and Memphis have gotten to the point where you got to go, wait a second now, this team guards, this team plays hard, this team shoots it, and I'm going to give you an example of them shooting the basketball. This team is 15-2. and two. So I'm watching the other day, sweet as you please. I'm bothering nobody. And it's Memphis at Wichita. Now, for those of you that don't understand stuff here, Wichita State just went to the Final Four six, seven years ago, whatever it was, has one of the craziest fan bases in the country. And they absolutely lost their mind because their coach was mean. Their coach was mean. He was mean. Yeah? What was he mean about? Well, you know, he, he was yelling at players. He threw basketball at players. He was, they, they were, they, they were just, he was just so mean. Yeah? So Memphis has gone, and they went the diversity higher route, and they went the popular guy higher route. It's all good. It's great. It's wonderful. Hire whoever the hell you want to hire. What do I care? I don't. You think I do, but I don't. So I'm watching the other day, and halftime game, it's all right. It's close. It's all right. Next thing you know, Memphis, I want you to listen to this, drills 19 of 33s. 19 of 30. I don't know about you. They scored 63 second-half points on the road in one of the best environments in college basketball. 63. 19 threes. They outscored Wichita 63 to 40 in the second half. Wichita probably went out there and said, hey, look, we played a pretty good second half. These dudes, they had one guy go six for eight, another guy go five for six, another guy go two for three, bad shooting night, another guy two for three is three for eight. I mean, it is insane how these guys ball. And they're all long and they're all athletic. You combine long, athletic, a desire to win with, mate, with the ability to make 19 threes. Now, they may go two for 11 next game. I don't know, but I don't care. It's two straight games in league play that the Memphis Grit or Tigers have scored over 100 points. And I'm sitting there going, are you insane? College basketball, guys can't get to 50 half the time because they all run the same crap. Here's their last two games. Now, this one was overtime, 107 and 112. Holy hell. I mean, they throw 80 or 90 at you like it's their job. 
Don't at me, people. Do not at me. Don't let me come back adding you. Uh, Kansas hasn't done anything to drop out of the top three or four. I just don't think they're that good. I think this is Bill Self. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the history of Bill Self's great coaching jobs because I don't know the history of Bill Self, you know, who has, who has gotten hurt, who, who doesn't play. I, I, you know, I don't know. You know, I know Indiana's, I know Purdue's, but I, I don't know the history of, well, you know, back in 08, Bill Self and his team didn't do this. Back in 12, they didn't do that. I, yeah, I don't know. But when I watch Bill Self's team, I say to myself, huh, if you put on a Utah jersey or some good, good Division I school, you know, and I think Utah's good, so that's fine. Put Utah on. If you put Utah on, you'd never think that this particular team is any good, top five in the country. Yes, yes, Hunter Dickinson is having a monster year, but Hunter Dickinson puts up numbers. It's what he does. Yes, McCullers is having a good year, but other than that, they ain't got squat. They got what we call squad douche. They got nothing. Zip, zero, zilch, nothing, nada. Now, I hesitated because, frankly, I should have, I should have, I wish I'd, put in uh, Auburn into the top five, but I didn't. But I am putting Kansas. Kansas just ain't that good. But when I watch Kansas, I'm like, well, they won again. Well, let me, oh, yeah, they won again. Oh, well, they, what, they play, yeah, 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 they won again. Yeah, they won again. I mean, damn. Let me, I'm going to throw some numbers at you, and you guys tell me what you think, all right? Here's some numbers. First off, Kansas is 14-2, and two, all right? Two and one in the league. So they really haven't started league play yet, all right? It's one of those deals where they played a tough schedule. They lost to Marquette in Maui. They went down to Central Florida the other day and lost, and people lost their mind. They were up 16 to Central Florida and lost. Okay. But they're going to get into, they're gonna get into their, their league season. But here's the deal. I thought, I would have thought, that Hunter Dickinson was their leading scorer. He's not. He's averaging 19-2. The other guy, McCullers, is averaging 19-9. Then listen to this. This is weird for Kansas. 12 is the next guy, K.J. Adams, and then nobody over 7. It's very weird. Like, it doesn't go from, like, 19, 19, 12, 10, 10. No, no, no. Nobody over 7. Top three scores, nobody over 7. That's pretty interesting. It's not a great team, but it just keeps winning. The number one team in the country is UConn. Uh, they just got voted on, but I'm not putting UConn number one. I'm putting UConn at number two. UConn will always be there because UConn is tougher than everybody. Next time you watch a UConn game, watch players. So many of these little pansy-ass players, when they get yelled at the coach, put their chin up, and you just want to smack them right there in the chin. UConn's players, they look right at Danny Hurley. It's like, all right, coach, we, we know you're insane, but we know you're our insane. I know this is cuckoo's nest, but it's our cuckoo's nest. It's how we used to feel about Bob Knight. It's how Purdue players used to feel about Gene Cady. Yes, this is nuts, but it's our thing. La Costa Nostra. Our thing. That's what UConn does. It's ju it just is. So UConn's number one in the country. I get it. Okay, good. Be number one in the country. 
But the fact of the matter is this. I don't want to put him number one in the country because I want Purdue number one in the country so that when Indiana plays Purdue tonight at 7 o'clock, I think it's on Peacock, Indiana beats the number one team in the country. And Indiana fans, you have permission from me to rush the court. Look, I don't want to hear about what would Bobby Knight do. All right, let's do this. Bobby Knight was done in 2000. I always go back to when I played. So that's 23 years. All right, 2000 is 23 years ago. I came into Indiana in 1981. 23 years prior to that. All right, you ready? 23 years prior to that is 1958. 1958. I could care less what happened in 1958 at Indiana basketball. What I care about. So I don't care what Bobby Knight would think. Hell, Indiana, if you win tonight, rush like nobody's business. Storm the court. Let people get mad. Let people say, well, this is how far Indiana has fallen. What do you mean? Of course it is. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yes. Bobby wouldn't have had it. Bobby Knight last coached here in 2000, which is akin all right, let's say you went to college. In, you're in college in 2000. 23 years before that is 77. You care anything about what happened in 1977? You serious? Of course not. You care about who coached your alma mater in 1977? Of course not. For you guys that went to college in 2000, 1977 might have been. So you get my point? Man, Indiana people are already talking about, well, when we beat Purdue tonight, we really shouldn't rush the court. You should rush the court if you beat freaking Moorhead State in a tight one. You should rush the football field if you beat freaking Akron in a tight one. What are you talking about? I had the worst, well, not the worst. I had one worst day. I've had the worst couple days of my gambling life, but I'm going to put everything on Indiana. I'm going to get 10. It was 10 this morning. It went to nine and a half. I guarantee you that thing's down to eight. I'll look it up right now when we go to break. I'm going to look it up, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to tell you. I'm just saying. Be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Can we just get rid of handshake lines? Can we? Can we just get rid of handshake lines? Look, I, 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 the college basketball handshake line has pissed me off for years. It just has. Here's what happens in a handshake line. So we beat the, we beat the fighting Knicks, not K-N-I-C-K-S. My guys, Nick and Nick, now we're going to walk 
Hey, I always went look, try to look guy in the eye, man. Good game. Here's what players do. Good game. And finally, I'd just be done with it. Like, get out of here, you idiots. I mean, fuck. Oh, excuse me. You guys can barely read or write. That's how people did. That's exactly how it did. You get a limp wrist going on in there, and you're like, hey, look. Good game. Good game. Good game. Shut up. But another handshake incident. I got, I got told, well, we, we, if you do that, then it takes out the sportsmanship. There's no sportsmanship in that handshake line. It's a necessary evil, a time bomb waiting to happen. So the other day, Illinois is, getting, is just getting done. They got beat at home. Okay, you get beat at home, you're pissed. You're pissed because, well, you know, um, we lost. We lost at home. I got to walk off of the court to fans that are pissed off at me, not happy with me. And you know what? All right. So here's the deal. So there's a kid named Reese. Reese played really well against Illinois. And there's a coach at Illinois named Tim Anderson. Now, Tim Anderson brings 15 years of coaching and training experience. He was an assistant at DePaul where, you know what, yeah, they got fired constantly. I guess at DePaul, they won uh, 35 games over three years. Yay, Tim. All right. Yay, Ra. He led ground zero training in Chicago. So he's a workout douchebag. So he's a little workout douchebag. He was hired to get into Chicago. He played at Crane. He coached at Crane. And he has no business, I'm guessing, being in college basketball if all hirings were done equal. So this kid, Reese, belly womps on him. And next thing you know, uh, ah, the guy doesn't want to shake the kid's hand. And the kid's like, what are you doing? Like, what's wrong with you? Julian Reese is the kid's name. He walked everybody shaking hand. And this see, coaches are supposed to. Be leaders. They're not supposed to be punks that are workout gurus. They're not supposed to be guys that have no credential to be a basketball coach, certainly not in Illinois. Uh, can you get me guys, man? Can you get me guys, Tim Anderson? You can't get shit, Tim Anderson. It's the second time with an Illinois guy. Last year, I forget who the guy was. He's now on the bench over there with Calipari. I forget his name. And I'm sitting there going, wait a second. This is jackassery. This is pure jackassery, utter jackassery. You can't as an adult. Like, i tell you what's going to happen. College basketball is going to end up being like the Chicago Public League. Last Chicago Public League game I went to, there was a dude who was sitting on the end of the bench, not the far end, the closest to the scores table, with his hat on crooked, talking on his cell phone during the game. That's what college basketball is going to become because you hire little workout douchebags. I'm like, who's this Tim Anderson? Guarantee you he's some guy from Chicago. They hired to get him guys, man. I'll get you guys. That's what, that's what guys say. Hey, man, I can get you guys. I can get you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell it to your mother, Tim Anderson. So he don't want to shake hands. So guys out there busting his ass, I don't know what the backstory is, and I don't care. doesn't even matter to me. You know, the disgusting level of college coaches, 
They suck. They do. It's like, let's hire all these guys that can get us guys, man. I'll get you guys. I, I coached a crane. Yeah, 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 I'll get you guys, man. I'm from the city, you know. <laughs> Jesus, jackasser. Yeah, uh, here we go. You ready for a big trade? 100 years ago, I told you Marvin Bagley was for Marvin Bagley, wasn't a team guy, and everybody lost their mind. Listen to this trade. You'll like this trade. The Detroit Pistons are acquiring Mike Muscala, who I think played at like Richmond or the Ivy League or Bucknell, something like that, and Danilo Gallinari. He's been in the league for 100 years. From the Washington Wizards for Marvin Bagley, Isaiah Livers, and draft picks. Marvin Bagley, think about this, was the second player picked in the NBA draft. Can I say this again? The second player picked in the NBA draft. That's who Marvin Bell. Ba- oh, yeah. He, you know who he is? Oh, yeah. I remember him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that guy. Oh, he's a great player. Really? Really? Wasn't great at Duke. They stunk. They didn't stink. They stunk by Duke standards. Certainly hasn't turned a tap in the NBA. And he was an entitled, selfish, horrible player. <laughs> Jeez. I'm like, wait. This is the, the second player picked in the NBA draft. You know what both teams have combined for? Combined. Now, remember, it's after January 1st, the two teams have combined for 10 wins. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, not nine. Ten. Combined. January 20th or whatever it is. I don't know. Whatever the date is. 14th, 13th, 10th, 12th, 11th, 16th. Man. People, if they just listened to Dockage, they would have themselves... They'd have a roster. It would save you money. You'd be like Dockage. What do you think of Marvin Bagley? I think he's good enough to get you fired. I think he's all about himself. I said it on a broadcast. Everybody lost their mind. Marvin had to talk about him. <laughs> Shusevsky lied about him. I don't listen to. I don't. Li- I don't listen to the announcers during the game. Well, a week ago, I was on his show, and he told me that he, I'm the only guy, along with Billis, that he listens to. I'm like, I don't know. All right. I don't know what to tell you. Are you ready for this one? NBC said after the game that the streaming of the Chiefs and the Dolphins set all-time streaming records. They said after the game, which was streamed exclusively on Peacock, which I think is where the Indiana game is tonight, it drew an average of about 23 million viewers on Saturday night. It reached about 27.6 million viewers in total and peaked at more than 24.6 million in the second quarter. Saturday was also, really, Peacock's largest day in the service's history. It set a record with 16.3 million concurrent devices streaming. You don't like it? I don't like it. I want to make things easier, not more difficult. I'm tired of being taxed everywhere. I take a dump. I turn around, there's a tax. I turn around here, there's a tax. I turn around to watch a game. That's basically a tax. We're all being taxed on everything. 
understand it, though. I hate to say it, but I understand it. ESPN did it 100 years ago. Duke, North Carolina, big, big game. It's going to be on this thing called ESPN2. What? What is ESPN2? Well, a longtime basketball coach who was one of our assistants at Indiana tonight, Tate's Locke, went over to McCree's, got ourselves a big beer and a sando, watched the game on the deuce. I didn't know what the deuce was. I learned what the deuce was. Why did I learn what the deuce was? Because ESPN put the Duke, North Carolina game on. Just like tonight, Indiana, Purdue. I don't know who's doing Well, NBC's doing a game, so I assume maybe Tariko and Robbie Hummel. I don't know. But what I do know is if you want to watch the game, you're going to have to get Peacock. Smart, but I don't like it. I, my mother, want, if I were playing, I want my mother to watch. Why make it more difficult? I don't know. See, this I agree with. Football's gotten difficult. So the other day, Tyler Higby, tight end for the Rams, catches a pass. And C.J. Gardner-Johnson hit him low. It really looked bad. In fact, now that I'm saying it's making my knee hurt, okay? Everybody called C.J. Sauce Gardner-Johnson said it was dirty hit. The Rams are pissed. Dirty hit. Well, got to give CJ Sauce Gardner Johnson credit. He's paying attention. Here's what he had to say. If anyone on the Rams feels like it was dirty, tell his quarterback, don't put the ball in a place where he can get his players hurt. You hear Tom Brady say it all the time. Tom Brady's been very vocal about that. The level of quarterback play and ball placement has disintegrated. It happened last night to a tight end. I don't know. I don't know how you tell football players you got to tackle a guy above the waist only. That's a tough one to me. I get it. You don't want the low hit where the guy's knee's planted. Next thing you know, boom, you take out a knee. My body's hurting right now because I'm paying attention to the two shots that I watched here. One was Higby's and one was the guy last night. But, man, I don't, you, try, you got to get the guy down, right? I don't know. And he's not wrong because Tom Brady has come out and Tom Brady has been very vocal about it. And all you got to do is invoke the name of Tom Brady. And when you invoke the name of Tom Brady, it would go, ooh, it's like Oprah. It's like, ooh, she listened. Ooh, Brady, wait, 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 Brady, Brady, Brady. <sighs> All right. Uh, Rick Bizacci used to be the interim head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Rick Biasacci came into Indianapolis with Derek Carr as his quarterback. All Indianapolis had to do was win the game and go to the playoffs. It did. Biasachi didn't get the job, which is why now the Raiders, among other things, have got to look at Antonio Pierce. Pierce did a really good job. They didn't give him to the last guy. They tried to overthink, and it didn't work. Okay, time out. Rick, uh, Rich Biasachi, after Green Bay's 48-30 to win over the Cowboys, Special teams coach Rick Biasacci in Green Bay took full advantage of the opportunity, talking smack in the tunnel, walking back to the locker room, 
channeling his inner Jimmy Johnson. Let's hear from the coach. How about the Cowboys? Yeah. Can you play that again? The old coach, old salt, the old Howard Mudd, the old special teamer. You know, Rich Biasacci has seen a lot of things. He's got his goatee. He'll sit back and tell you, you know, should have been the interim coach. You know, how about them Cowboys? Jimmy Johnson made that famous. I guarantee you that's like the 7,628 millionth and tenth time the Cowboys have heard that after a loss. I guarantee you. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Promise you. How about that? Every time you lose, right? Because every time you win, like in Indianapolis a few years ago, Cowboys came in here and won, and when you were walking out of Lucas Oil, what would you hear from Cowboy fans? How about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? All right, is what it is. So they've heard it a million times. They've seen it a million times. This is not new to them a million times. So don't sweat it. But I like it. I like the old coach. Uh, Connor Stallions, remember him? Connor Stallions, the sign-stealing guy, he, ladies and gentlemen, is gone full villain. He arrived on campus dancing on the graves of all of those, including Ohio State, that are on his enemy list, rolling up there to a football stadium to take a photo of his national championship hat with some roses. There he is, Sea Stallions, trolling the entire Ohio State nation. See, that's some good troll. That's some really good troll. Hey, there ain't nothing wrong with that troll. Hey, to the victors go the spoils. You don't want that to happen. As the great Bob Heben Street used to say, hey, play better. Tell me I'm wrong, Bob Heben Street, the late Bob Heben Street. I loved Hebe. Hey, he looked like uh, I have a cigar, a cigar or no, a cigarette in his mouth, wearing his Air Jordans to play golf, untied, of course. Hey. Play better. Hard to argue. See, the world of college sports needs more Connor Stallions. Not the cheating part of Connor Stallions, where guys embrace their role. Where guys say, hey, look, fellas, this is who you got me painted as. I'm going to give it to you, baby. Give me that stuff, that funk, that sweet, that funky stuff. Give it to me. Anyway, I digress. Google, whitey bad. Whitey bad, we should do a, we should have a stinger. Whitey bad alert. Whitey bad, whitey bad. Google is telling employees at a DEI workplace training session that white anxiety is a public health crisis and that white people who vote for Republican is just like the opiate addiction. <laughs> uh, let's hear from this, right? We're going to hear from these people. If you had been taught equality from the beginning, you wouldn't be flipping out, but that's how hegemonic dominance works. And so I think that's why it happens. And we have to be willing to talk about that because it's really unhealthy. This white anxiety is a public health crisis. 
in that regard. And that's why, you know, not only we were talking in the other room a minute ago before we came in here, you know, that, that it's not just the opioid crisis that we think about with folks killing themselves disproportionately, increasingly white working class folks who are, um, you know, using heroin or using over-the-counter uh, opioids, um, but they're political opioids. Turning to a candidate who says, you vote for me and I will take away your pain. I will bring back those jobs. I will make your life better. That's a form of an opiate as well. So we got to be honest about, about the dysfunctionality of, and the real danger of the front lash, backlash, whatever we want to call it, even for the people who are, you know, thinking they're going to benefit from it. What? What? Fat white dude, educating all of us other white dudes, how if we think we're going to vote for Donald Trump, it's going to take our pain away and it's an opioid. Where do people, can you play the first part of that? He uses a word that I think he just made up. Well, this is our whitey bad section. Whitey bad, whitey bad, whitey bad. Let's hear it, whitey bad. If you had been taught equality from the beginning, you wouldn't be flipping out, but that's how hegemonic dominance works. And so I think that's why it happens. All right, hold have on. To be willing to talk hegemonic about that it's really dominance. This what the hell is, what the, I'm looking this up. Head, I think it's H-E-D-G, hegemonic dominance. Hegemonic masculinity. Let's go that route. Hegemonic masculinity is part of R.W. Connell's gender order theory, which recognizes multiple masculinities that vary across time society. Masculinity is defined as a practice that legitimizes men's dominant position in society and justifies the subordinate of the common man. Oh, shut up. <laughs> oh, man. Voting Republican is like opioids. Seriously, where do they get these white people? See, are, are white people, like, trying to embarrass us so much? Like, do people pay attention to this? Like, how fat and arrogant is this guy? Now, this guy hasn't done nothing his whole life except talk, explain, I'm talking about hegemonic dominance. I got a headache, and it ain't the good kind of headache. It ain't. I ain't happy about it. Woke dope me. Jeez. Crack houses are much fancier nowadays than they were in the 1980s. You know, come on, Nick and Nick and Dylan. You bring a little crack into the White House and the jokes keep coming. I mean, it's just a little crack. I mean, why is everybody so offended at a little crack? Just wasn't a lot of crack. We don't know who did it. We don't know. Maybe it was Hunter. Maybe it was Hunter's uh, girlfriend. Maybe it was Hunter's uh, hooker. I don't know. Here's the interesting thing. Um, does Hunter Biden, did he, did, did, does, does he tape himself? Like, would there be another laptop from hell? Lee asked me this yesterday. She was reading something. She's like, what kind of idiot is this Hunter Biden guy that he, he tapes all of his stupid stuff? So maybe Hunter Biden could make the defense wasn't my crack because there's no video of it. Look, when I do something stupid, I videotape it. I didn't videotape that. Can't be me. Thinking that's the new deal. Next! 
Take America half off for your entire net worth. Banana Republic. That's pretty funny. That's really funny. Oh, man. Come on, Jolt and Joe. Like, get it. Here's easy. Get it so you're not lying to us. These guys all lie to us about, well, you know, the economy's really coming back. No, it's not. We go to the grocery store. Joe, I'll give you this. I'll give you this. The 401k has come back nicely. I will always be fair. I will. I don't want this guy as president. I don't want this guy in my house. I don't want this guy around my kids. I don't want this guy anywhere. But I will say this. The 401k, at least mine, has bounced back a bit. And I'm cool with that. At my age, are you kidding me? But here's a bigger question. Hey, Jennifer, why, oh, why, oh, why are all these billionaires like Zuckerberg and all, why are they building underground bunkers? Anybody have any idea? Oh, oh, I don't know why they're all building underground bunkers, but they are. Next! Leftists, whenever a straight white man has an opinion, racist, fascist, Nazi, sexist, absolutely. Look, you run the gamut. It, for a minute there, people cared about misogynists. You're a misogynist. Oh, okay. Then it became a race, racist encompasses all of it. So I guess sexist slash uh, misogynist is the same thing. Fascist is the go-to. You're fascist or you're a Nazi. Now you're a Nazi. Now you're dangerous. Everybody's dangerous. You don't think that men should play against women, swim against them, whatever. You're dangerous. Everything's dangerous. Nobody buys this crap except for purple-haired weirdos. But, hey, it is what it is. What can I tell you? Next. Might be it. Might be it. Uh, we're going to get out of here a little bit earlier. Clay is doing his show live coming up at 11 o'clock, so make sure you stay right here for that. Good night of hoops tonight. Very good night of hoops. Low-key good night of hoops tonight. I'm going to take Indiana. Uh, I will tell you this, and I, will, I do not shy away. Basketball, I've been pretty good at. I got crushed on NFL. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sprinkle, sprinkle some on Xavier over Butler. That's going to be a pretty good game. Florida, Tennessee. Tennessee's nine and a half. We'll see where I go with on that. Bowling Green's played really well. I may go with plus money and give up a point and a half. Anyway, it is a terrific night of basketball. Indiana, nine and a half at home. I'm taking that. I'm taking that and I ain't sweating it. Hey, Nick and Nick, thanks everybody. Everybody that joined the show, I'll get out of here so Clay can set up. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.